Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel or podcast if you're listening through audio. In this video, we're going to be talking about breathing mechanics, what that is, how it becomes dysfunctional, and how that has an impact on your stress and in your anxiety levels, and what we can do to fix that. Hey everyone, so breathing mechanics, what is it? Fancy term, fancy word, but what does breathing mechanics actually mean? Well, when it comes down to anything that's mechanical, it means movement. So when we talk about breathing mechanics, we're actually talking about ventilation, which is getting the air in and out of our lungs, and how that is done in the, ma- in the manner that it's done. So let's talk about ventilation to begin with, and how that actually occurs and what that is. So ventilation is actually getting the air in and out of the lungs so that we can get the oxygen out, so we can create energy. But also so we can get the CO2 out so that we can keep our blood acidity in a stable position. Ventilation occurs because the brain sends signals down the phrenic nerve to the diaphragm to contract. Now when the diaphragm contracts, it actually flattens out the external intercostal muscles also pull the ribcage out so we get a greater volume of air within our lungs. Now, because we've got a greater volume, the pressure inside that area decreases. So air enters the lung from a high to a low pressure and that's how we get air in. Now, this is the actual mechanics of the breathing. However, there's an inefficient way and there's an efficient way for our breathing mechanics to occur. The inhalation part is activation, it requires energy. But when we actually inhale and the lungs expand, because of the elastic properties within the lungs, there's a stored potential energy so that when we exhale, it just compresses and it basically rebounds like an elastic. If you pull an elastic and all of a sudden it recoils back, that's what the lungs are doing. Now, if you're a smoker and you get things such as emphysema, you're destroying those elastic elastins, the proteins that are in our lungs, so the lungs become floppy, so you're not able to ventilate as well. That causes people to have them breathing issues and and issues related to gas exchange, all kind of problems. However, there's non-pathological conditions that also cause that. This is a term called dysfunctional breathing. And essentially dysfunctional breathing, that means that we're breathing in an inefficient manner using muscles that are assisting our diaphragm and our external contracting muscles, usually the sternocleidomastoids, maybe even the pectorals or the trapezius. And what that does is it adds additional energy expender because of additional muscular contraction. What tends to happen with dysfunctional breathing, typically individuals might breathe through their mouth, but they get what's called thoracic dominant breathing. So that means the breathing is higher up in the chest. So rather than mechanically breathing from a efficient position, which we'll talk about soon, the actual mechanics of breathing is from upper and higher part of our chest. Now imagine we've got more space down here. The ribs are actually more kind of flexible in that position. Because the ribs are smaller, there's actually a greater compliance at the top here. So actually it's more challenging to breathe into this upper part, just from the fact that number one, there's more muscular part here as well to overcome, but also the ribs themselves are attached more to a a fixed part of our sternum rather than being open down here. And what that causes, it causes increase in energy expenditure. Because the ribs are rigid, it's an inefficient way to breathe, and there's more resistance so that we actually have to overcome that. 
Now what that resistance does, if you just do this for me, take a big breath in, and then just try and breathe short, shallow breaths. Just notice how much more challenging it feels to breathe. In fact, that's actually gonna send signals back to our brain to cause things like air hunger, breathlessness, and even sending stress signals back up. Because of the greater resistance, the body actually compensates that. It can no longer take deeper breaths. It's just inefficient to do that. So what it actually does is it takes shorter breaths, and it does this by shortening the breath cycle. Imagine you've got a cycle of an inhalation and an exhalation. The time of that cycle is actually reduced, so the breathing frequency increases. Our respiratory rate increases. Now, when the breathing rate increases, again, that's sending signals back to our brain to say that we're in a high-stress state, which actually causes more stress itself. So not only have we got energy expenditure, we've also got signals coming from the body back to the brain to say that we're stressed, which then can be conditioned so that people, when they're feeling anxious, the sensations in their body also make them feel anxious. Now, the breath cycle itself is an interesting part of how we deal and handle stress. Because when we contract the diaphragm, the heart slightly drops a little bit because of that additional volume. The blood flow through that heart decreases, so the body then sends signals back to the brain to say, to get more blood flow out, we need to increase our heart rate. Now when we breathe out, we actually do the opposite. The heart squeezes, the blood pressure goes up, so we actually decrease our heart rate to keep cardiac output the same. The amount of blood flow that's going to the peripherals and the organs and the brain. So breathing in causes more of a heightened sympathetic response, a stress response, where breathing out is more of a parasympathetic stress response. When we have a change in breathing frequency, often related to stress, it's the external part or the exhalation part of the breath cycle that's reduced. So overall, we're spending less time in an exhalation relative to an inhalation what actually tends to happen is we get what's called hyperinflation. That's what causes the shift in our breathing position to a heightened part. But because of the, the nature of an exhalation being parasympathetic, we get reduced what's called vagal tone. The vagus nerve actually sends signals back to our brain to say that we're safe. It helps increase parasympathetic activity, making us feel more calm, more relaxed, more rejuvenated. However, because of that reduced vagal, vagal tone, we there have reduced heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is a good indicator of our, our resilience to stress, our ability to switch between stress and relaxation, or stress and calm, or anxiousness and being feeling calm in a day. But it also is a good indicator of our cardiac health, as well as our general mental and psychological health. So poor HRV is often demonstrated in things like anxiety, PTSD, or chronic stress. However, on the other side of things, we have a functional breathing pattern. Now, a functional breathing pattern means that we're essentially, as Patrick McCune would say, is that we're breathing light, slow, and deep. LSD breathing. Now, the term light just means that you generally should not notice or recognize that you're breathing in and out of your nose just very lightly or gently. The person next to you shouldn't be able to hear your breathing and you shouldn't really have much conscious awareness of your breathing when it's just such light. Now slow means that it's not shallow and it's not fast. Your breath rate needs to come down. Now a breath rate of maybe six breaths per minute is, is perfect, but actually that takes a lot of training to get there. But if you've got a breath rate maybe at rest of 15, maybe 16, 18 breaths per, per minute, if you can bring that down 
to 12, 10, between eight and 12 breaths per minute, you're gonna have a considerable reduction in your stress levels and your breathing is gonna be a lot more functional. Based on the fact that when we have slower breathing, we actually get greater alveolar uh, ventilation. The alveoli are part of our lungs that have gas exchange, so therefore we get greater oxygen uptake from the lungs into our body, providing us with more energy. Now we wanna breathe deep. When we breathe into our upper chest, Imagine what's gonna happen through gas exchange is you've gotta have blood pulled with uh, air so the gas can actually exchange in our lungs. Because we spend most of our day upright as human beings, therefore the most, of the most of the blood's in the lower part of our lungs. So if we breathe in the upper part of our lungs, we get a mismatch in between the two, which means that we're less, again, less efficient at exchanging gas, which makes overall our breathing less efficient. Breathing light, slow and deep, by expanding our lower ribs and bringing those up is how we do that. Now, how do we look at whether individuals have a dysfunctional breathing pattern? Well, one thing we can do is you can actually just look through observation. This is gonna be quite hard if you're an individual yourself and you wanna look at your own self, but observing someone, whether they're more thoracic or whether they're more abdominal dominant, then that's gonna give you an indication of whether they have a dysfunctional breathing pattern. But also what you can do is you can place one hand on the chest and one hand on the abdomen and you can just recognize and sit and just see which one moves more. Do you move more into your lower hand or more into your upper hand? Now other things that we can do is we do we have tension in our shoulders and our back and poor posture. That's all going to contribute to poor breathing mechanics. And the final thing that we can really look at is the pronged exhale test, which I'll pop a video for here. We can utilize that to actually assess our ability to control our breathing in a fluent and biomechanical manner. But how does actually functional breathing look if you were to look at someone? This is what we call a, a wave-like formation breath. Now when we're just resting, the breath in and out, we call that tidal volume, tide for wave. Now really, we wanna be generating a wave from the bottom upwards. So for example, you're gonna breathe the lower hand and the air is gonna come up. So it's gonna start deep and as, as you breathe deeper, your rib cage is gonna expand 360 even around the back, and that's gonna actually then rise up into your chest gradually. So it's a wave-like motion moving up and down the chest. To actually improve upon this, there's exercises that you can do and ways that you can breathe through breath control, the ways that you can improve the control of the breathing, the ways that you can actually have a greater connection to the muscles that you're using in breathing and relaxing the muscles that you don't want to use to make it more energy efficient. Now, if you're on the online six weeks course, this is what you're gonna go, go through in the next video. However, if you're an individual who is just watching this on YouTube or listening on the podcast, then check the link below for some free video training to assess your breathing function and, and how you can improve that to improve your stress and anxiety. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you have and you want to continue to listen to videos on breath, stress, anxiety, high performance, sleep, gaining focus, energy and productivity, then hit subscribe below, leave a comment. Thanks for tuning in.